You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Now, Father, as we approach your word today, we approach it humbly. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word that's alive and filled with power. May the eyes of our hearts be enlightened today. May we be encouraged as we look back at Calvary, as we receive communion this morning. We honor you. We thank you so much for your glorious presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Well, someone say, well, what about you know, the resurrection? They may protest. Shouldn't that be our primary focus? Well, without the cross, there would be no resurrection. You know, there would be no empty tomb without the cross of Calvary. And so we will be celebrating the resurrection power of Christ, and we really do every day. But at the cross, it is where his love was displayed between the astonished eyes of heaven and earth. Jesus' death and resurrection, I believe, represent God's victorious checkmate of Satan in a chess match that had been thousands and thousands of years in the plane. Now, at 4 a.m., I bet you didn't know this, in 1867, there had been an all-night negotiations taking place between the United States and Russia. And at 4 a.m., they finally signed a treaty. The Russians, now listen to this, they agreed to sell 586,412 square miles of the territory, territory called Alaska to the USA for the purchase of $7.2 million. A little lopsided, huh? That breaks down to about two cents an acre. We got the, the most beautiful most resource-rich rich places on the planet Earth for two cents an acre. If you're familiar with baseball, in 1919, the Boston Red Sox, they're the kings of baseball. And they're winning championship after championship, but their star player's unhappy. And they decided to sell him to a, or trade him to a nearby cellar-dwelling team, the New York Yankees. Babe Ruth became a Yankee. And the Red Sox didn't see another championship for 85 years. <laughs> As you're familiar with the New York Yankees, they're one of the most successful baseball teams in the history of baseball, appearing in 40 World Series since then and winning 27 of them. These are examples of trades. Some of the best trades or some of the worst trades in history, depending on which side of the table you're on. But one of the, the most one-sided trades ever transacted was ratified in the blood nearly 2,000 years ago. This lopsided agreement was entered into not because of one of the parties was unknowing or foolish or gullible, but it was unconditional love that drove that generous party to the bargaining table. A love so profound 
that the Apostle Paul said in the book of Ephesians, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. This covenant was made between God and His Son. Listen, perfection with perfection. Not really God and us. And at the cross, we are offered an opportunity to make an extraordinary set of exchanges. And that's what I want to talk to you about in these next couple of weeks. I want to talk to you about the great exchanges. The first exchange we want to take a look at is our sinfulness for His righteousness. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For some of you this will be brand new. For others of you it will be a seed that's being watered. In verse 21 it says, For he, that's God, made him, that's Jesus, to be sin with our sinfulness, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. How many of you know that Adam and Eve chose the wrong tree? They believed what is verifiably the oldest lie in the book. You shall be like God. Fellowship, Adam fellowshiped with the Father in the pristine garden daily. Then right in the middle of paradise, Adam committed high treason. And when you and I approach the cross, we find an offer waiting. He hung on the cross. There a perfectly righteous man. He hangs willing to make a glorious exchange for you and for me. Jesus says to all, give me your sinfulness and I'll give you my righteousness. I'll take you out of the low state of sin. I'll take you out of the things that have literally held you down and beaten you for your whole life. And I will put a robe of righteousness on you. I will cleanse you. The Bible says that it pleased the Lord... To lay upon him the iniquity of us all. All of you know who Billy Graham is. Certainly the greatest evangelist in modern time. He said this. He said on the cross he was made sin. He was God forsaken. Because he knew no sin. There's a value. This is a valued comprehension in the penalty he bore. A penalty that he did not need for himself. And I like how he says this, how it was accomplished in the depths of that darkness, man will never know. I know only one thing. He bore my sins in his body upon the tree. He hung where I should have hung. The pains of hell were my portion were heaped upon him. And I'm able to go to heaven and merit that which is not my own, but is his by every right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say this with me, for the Lord is good. 
and his mercy endures forever. You know, Peter, looking back at the cross, said this, Who his own self bore my sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live in his righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. You know, thank God that Peter had a revelation of what took place. He bore it all. What he took, you do not need to take. What he bore, you do not need to bear. Isaiah, looking toward the cross, said, Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Now, this righteousness is a gift. Amen? (laughs) This righteousness, this right standing with God. Glory to God. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It's a gift. Isn't that right, Brother Al? It's a gift. Hallelujah. Romans, the fifth chapter, the 17th verse. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they who receive the abundance of grace and of what? What is it? The gift of righteousness shall do what? They shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now, last time I looked at a gift, a gift is not something you work for. A gift is something that's free. Righteousness is a free gift. Righteousness puts you and I into right standing with God. The word justified is also a good word for righteousness. It means declared righteous in his sight. And so this free gift of righteousness is something that needs to be received. And you receive this gift of righteousness with your faith. Aren't you glad to know that when you got born again, God not only made you the righteousness of God in him, but he gave you faith? And with this faith, we can reach out and we can receive this free gift of righteousness. Amen. In Romans, the third chapter, in the 24th verse, it says this. Actually, Romans 3, 24 through 26. So his part, he was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Our part is to receive it by faith. Romans 3, 24 says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25. Let's read it together. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood 
to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Now, I want you to notice this phrase with me. To declare his righteousness, and then right before that, through faith in his blood. Is there anybody in this place that has faith in his blood? Faith in his blood takes you out of unrighteousness and puts you into righteousness. Now look at verse 26. And read that with me like you mean it. Verse 26 of Romans chapter 3. Go ahead. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness... Glory to God. So number one, the first exchange that took place is we have been made the righteousness of God in him. The second exchange we want to talk about is our shame for his glory. Our shame for his glory. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Genesis, the third chapter, verse 9 and 10 says this. And the Lord God called Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Where art thou? Don't you know that God knew exactly where Adam was? He knew exactly where he was. But he wasn't so much trying to figure out where he was geographically. He already knew where he was geographically. And really he knew where he was spiritually. But he was looking for a response for Adam. And he said, Where are you? Notice with me in verse 10. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Think about it. For all these years, he had walked in the presence of God. He'd fellowship with the Father in the cool of the day. And the sin that he had committed literally stripped him of his fellowship with God. He was afraid To go into the presence of God because his sin brought shame into his life. Shame is an awful thing. Shame will never ever drive you into the presence of God. But people that are filled with shame, they're afraid to go into the presence of God. How many of you know that condemnation can kill your confidence? One person said it like this, that condemnation is the confidence killer. There has never been a time where I have felt guilty and felt condemned that I really wanted to go into the presence of God. And you know, that's exactly what the enemy wants. The enemy wants people that have broken their fellowship with God not to draw near to God, but to draw away from Him. Amen? But the truth of the matter is, He's our answer. He is our source. He is our, he is our restorer. And he can place a person back into fellowship with him immediately. Amen. And so he hid from the presence of God. He said, he said, I'm naked. How many of you know that a fear-based and flawed attempt To cloak their remorse and regret and self-reproach was the beginning of religion. That's where religion was born. And over the years, mankind has devised even more sophisticated ways to try to cover that shame. 
They cover it with alcohol. They cover it with drugs. They cover it with self-righteousness. But all religion can do is cover. Religion cannot remove. Only the blood can remove. Only the blood can cleanse. Only the blood can remove our shame and our guilt. Come on, somebody. Say amen. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, notice what the Bible says about Jesus looking forward to the cross. He said in Hebrews 12, 2, he says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Was he looking forward to the shame? No. The Bible says he despised the shame. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's break this down. The Bible says that the way that he was able to go through the shame, the way that he was able to pay that price, was for the joy that was set before him. And I'm looking at a congregation of people that make Jesus happy. He was glad to hang on that cross for you and I. Because he could look down through the time and eternity and he could see in 2014 his people clothed in righteousness. His people experiencing the joy of fellowship. His people with no shame, no guilt, no remorse, no disgrace. His people no longer rejects, but his people accepted in the beloved. Amen. Amen. Now shame can be felt. When we hurt someone or when someone hurts us. The very history of the human race since the fall is little more or less than two forms of shame dancing around the ravaged souls of men and of women. Abusing children, abused children and being abused. Defiled and being defiled. Hurt people, hurting people. Shame. I'm thankful today that he bore our shame. That no longer you and I have to be guilt-ridden. No longer do we have to hide ourselves from the presence of God. The Bible says, if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. If we come close to him... He will come close to us. Don't you know that man was made for fellowship? That man was made to abide in him? That man was not made to cower back in fear, but man was made to draw near in faith. Hallelujah. What a fellowship. What a love divine. What a glorious day it is today when we can abide in the vine. Abiding in the vine. Abiding in the vine. Love, joy, peace. He has made them mine. Thank God we're abiding in the vine. You know, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will. And it shall be done unto you. Say this real strong with me. Thank God. He bore my sin. Thank God. He bore my shame. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That means 
access without fear. That means approach without denial. That means coming boldly, not coming coldly. Coming boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Let me ask you today, has anyone ever come into life in a point in life where they've had a need? Thank God the throne of grace is your getting place. The throne of grace is a place where you and I can come boldly and step into the presence of God and say, Lord Jesus, I'm here to receive of your bounty. I'm here to receive of your goodness. Amen. Thank God he's good. Amen. You know, I didn't know that when I was a young boy. I didn't know that. That truth wasn't revealed to me. I thought that God was someone to be afraid of. And I'm not talking about the kind of fear that you reverence Him, but I'm talking about the kind of fear that you run from Him. You know? That kind of fear that, that, that uh, causes people to, to be so afraid of God that they don't really want anything to do with Him. That is such a wrong image of our Father. You know, our Father is a God of love. And I've discovered this, that the more I fellowship with him, the more, he, the more real he gets to me every day. You see, it's all because of the love of God that he hung on the cross for you and I. And I like what John said. John said this, there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Him hanging on the cross for you and I and shedding His blood for you and I is perfect love. And when we get an understanding of that perfect love, it will literally dispel fear from our lives. It will turn it outdoors. As a matter of fact, I want us to look at 1 John chapter 4 and I want to look at the Amplified verses uh, 16 through 18 if we could. And let's just feed on this just for a moment. I believe the Spirit of the Lord wants us to camp here for a moment and just drive this point into our spirits. No more shame. Amen. No more unrighteous attitudes. Oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Wrong. You were an old sinner. That's right. You got saved by grace. But let's take it to the next level. But now, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Somebody say, but now, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, what religion does, religion builds a wall of partition between us and God. But what righteousness does, it comes and tears the wall down. Now, in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes far off, you are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That middle wall of partition that stood between us and God has been broken down. The veil was rent in twain from top to bottom. And God moved out and moved into our lives. Amen. And it's all because of the love of God. Notice with me in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 through 18 in the Amplified, if we could. He says, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But perfect love casteth out every trace of tear and every trace of fear. Let's look at verse 16. Thank you so much. 
And we know and understand and recognize and we are conscious of observation by experience and believe. Adhere to and put faith in and rely on the love of God. Say it with me. I got faith in his blood. And I've got faith in the love of God. This love that God cherishes for us, God is love. And he who dwells and continues in love, dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continues in him. Aren't you glad he's a continuing kind of God? I said he's a continuing kind of God. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. If you'll just dwell on and meditate on my love, I will stay in you and you will stay in me. Now notice in verse 17. In this union and communion with him. See, what did Adam have that he lost? He lost his communion. He was afraid. But in this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion. And it attains its perfection in us. That we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Thank God God doesn't want you to be afraid of judgment. He wants you to be confident. You know what? All you got to do is do the will of God while you're here on earth. And when you go before him, you'll hear well done, not undone. You will not hear well. You'll hear well done. That we may have confidence for the day of judgment. With assurance and boldness to face him. Read that last phrase with me. Because as he is, as he is, so are we. Now notice in verse 18. You got to read this and help me out. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. Amen. Thank God when we walk in the love of God and when we get a revelation of the love of God, fear is a thing of the past. The third exchange I want to talk to you about this morning is this. Is he bore your brokenness. And he brought into your life His wholeness. You know, one of the things that Jesus said when he was here on earth, on the Sabbath, when he stood up for to read from the book of Isaiah, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. What has he anointed Jesus to do? He's anointed me, he said, to preach the good news to the poor. But also, he said, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. In other words, Jesus said, one of my main purposes here on earth is to take that which has been broken from the fall and make it whole again. Now, in that context, he's talking about people experiencing broken hearts. Thank God there's healing for broken hearts. Thank God there's healing for people that have been wounded on life's pathway. Thank God there's healing and restoration for divorced people. Amen? God loves them. But what I want to center in on today in closing is this. Is Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And to take that which has been broken by the fall and make it completely whole again. 
He is the restorer of our souls. I can hear the psalmist say, the Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. You see, something that needs restoration is something that was broken. And the soul of man was broken through the fall. And many people even today in this modern day society, their souls are broken because they're drinking from the wrong source of supply. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I have come to take your broken mind and put in you the mind of Christ. I have come to give you my word and my word will restore you. For the word of the Lord is perfect and it will change your life forever. It will convert the way you think. It will convert the way you walk. It will convert the way you talk. I've come into your brokenness and I have exchanged it for my whole. Hallelujah. I'm whole in my spirit. I'm whole in my soul. I'm whole in my body. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, if you want to bring it up, that's fine. Otherwise, I'll quote it. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, In the very God of peace. Peace. Everyone say peace. The word peace could mean and does mean nothing missing. And nothing broken. Hey, if nothing is missing, Joe, and nothing is broken, that means we got wholeness going on here. Amen? We got wholeness in every area of life. Now, notice this in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And the very God of peace sanctify you or separate you completely. Separate you from what? Separate you from things that bring you down and cause you to be broken in life. The very God of peace will sanctify you completely. And here's what one of Paul's prayer was for the church at Thessalonica. And this is my prayer for you today as we approach the communion table. I pray that your whole spirit, how many of you know in your spirit you're complete in him? You're complete in him. He's the head of all principality and power. He says, I pray God your whole spirit and soul, and what? Body. And body. So your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Paul is praying that your soul would be intact when he returns. Amen. That you wouldn't go crazy. <laughs> Amen? That you wouldn't go nuts. But in a crazy world, you have an anchor which stabilizes your soul. In unstable times, you've got the all-stable one living on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul, mind, will, and emotions. Now listen to this, Raul, and body. Can God keep our bodies strong till the rapture? Even though you're... Heading towards 70, Pastor Mark, can God keep your body strong? You better believe he can, and yes, he will. Amen. Amen. I believe that it is the will of God, by the power of God, that every one of you live long and live strong. And that's what Paul is praying. That the very God of Shalom, the God with whom nothing is missing and nothing is broken, Make you completely whole. May your whole spirit, your mind, and your body, your body, may it be preserved. 
May it be sanctified from cancer. May it be sanctified from arthritis. May it be separated from the flu. Come on, somebody. Yeah, but what about people that have cancer? What about people that have the flu? What about this? What about that? What about this? I'm not dealing with that today. I'm talking about God's best for all of us. And we have compassion toward people that are going through the valley of the shadow of death. As a matter of fact, we would get down there in the valley with them and we pray for them and we lift them. For God is the lifter of their heads and the lifter up of their bodies. So we're not condemning anybody that's in a battle. As a matter of fact, most of us have been through major battles. But thank God, yea, there we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with us. And if God be with us, if God be for us, Joe, and if God be in us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? What difference does it make who's against us? Hey, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Say that real strong with me. They that be with us. He who is in us is greater than he that's in the world. You know, I'm almost ready to kick my leg and shout. And it's only 10.09. Woo! Glory. So may the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Dr. Dietrich, can God keep us whole in our old age? You better believe he can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can God take a broken person like you and me and make us whole again? Deliver us from the ravages of drug addiction? Make us clean? Woo! Glory to God. Can God do that? You better believe He can do that. Not only will He do it, but He's already done it. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. It's happy hour right now. I'm about to get happy in the house. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. May the very God of peace, the God of shalom, keep you whole. On Calvary, he was broken. He was crushed. He was bruised. The Bible says his visage was so marred that he failed to even appear like a man That means that he was beaten so brutally that literally he became one bruise. And by his bruises, by his bruise, literally, you're healed. By his bruise, there's restoration for a hurting heart. By his bruise, there is the removal of the grief that you experience from a loved one exiting this earth. Because he bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Hallelujah. Moms, dads, brothers, sisters, grieve no longer. Grieve no longer. But receive his wholeness. His love. Thank you, Lord.
We could go further, but I, I believe that that's good for right now. Let's just raise our hands in response to his word. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Though we started slow, Lord, we ended strong today. And we thank you for it. And we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise that you bore our sin. You bore our shame. You took our brokenness. Hallelujah. And you made us whole. Faith in his blood and faith in his word and faith in his power will make you whole in this day and in this hour. The woman with the issue of blood came in the press behind and touched his garment where his power was released for she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be made whole. She was broken. For 12 years she was broken. She'd suffered many things of many physicians. She was nothing better, but she got worse. But she heard of Jesus. Have you heard of Jesus today? Have you heard that he went to Calvary for you? Have you heard that he, through the great exchange, has made healing, wholeness, and restoration available to all that will believe and to all that will call upon the name of the Lord. Let's raise our hands right now and say, Lord, we call upon you today.